right, somebody tell us what we started talking about last week. That light. What did we learn about light last week? Yes, it's muy bien, yes. All right. But we, we learned a little bit more than just muy bien. What, what did we learn about light last week? How God symbolizes light, okay. What else? What's that? Okay, yeah. Do you, what's that? Pierces the darkness, okay. Yeah, we, we learned some basic things about light. And how light is a good thing, except for the one y'all groaned about, about how light wakes us up. You guys didn't really like that one very much. But, but it does. That's what light does. And we looked at Scripture and saw where the most important light that we will ever have to be a part of our life is the Lord Jesus. That's right. That's, did you write that down? Are you reading from your notes? Good. High five. Right there. Can somebody do a sound effect? You ready? Yes, I like it. Beautiful. So, we talked about how Scripture actually tells us Jesus is light. Jesus is the light. In fact, in John chapter 1, that's how Jesus is described as the light coming into the world and the light overcoming the darkness and the darkness still doesn't understand it, doesn't comprehend it. And we actually saw in that same book of John how Jesus calls Himself the light. So when we talk about this idea of light, yes, we've got a lot of things that give us light and it's important in our lives, but the most important life you will, light you will ever have a part of your life is the person of Jesus. And we talked about how you have to make a choice. We all have to make a choice. When we are exposed to that light, when we see who Jesus is, we have a choice to make. We either choose to pursue Jesus and to live a life that honors God, or we choose to keep stumbling around in the darkness and trapped in our own sin. And that's a choice that every one of us has to make. And you may be thinking, well, I don't have to make that choice today, but let me share a secret with you. If you're choosing not to make that choice today, you're making a choice. You're choosing to keep stumbling around in the darkness for one more day if you have that long. Scripture tells us that when you know who Jesus is, when you know the truth of the gospel, you have to make a choice. But if you make the choice to put your faith and trust in Jesus and to receive the light that God sent into the world, Scripture tells us in that moment, you're a new creation. And now you have a new choice to make every single day after that if you're going to live your life that honors God. If you're going to take that light and you're actually going to live it out each and every day. And, and I'll be honest with you. Well, I always try to be honest with you, but let me say this. That's a weird phrase, isn't it? I'll be honest with you, which means were you lying the entire time? No. Here's what Scripture says. Scripture's going to tell us that living a life that honors God can be difficult. And, and you all know that. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you've decided you want to live a life that honors Him, you know there's days, there's moments where that is hard to do. And it may be because of a situation that you find yourself in or the friends that you're hanging out with or a position you're put in at work or one of a thousand different things. It can be hard to take this light that we know we have from Jesus and to live it out. Sometimes it's just because we have distractions in our lives. There's so many different things to draw our attention away from focusing on God. And yet, what Scripture tells us is that there are some very practical ways, easy things that we can do to be able to live out our relationship with Jesus every single day. To live it. To live that relationship we have 
with the light. And tonight we're going to look at a specific passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So turn your Bibles there. It's in the New Testament after the four Gospels and a couple other books. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to start off in verse 1. And in this passage, Paul is, is giving some information. He's reminding the church at Corinth about their ministry they have and how they can live it out. How they can take that relationship they have with Christ every day, even in the face of adversity, even in the face of distractions and problems, and actually be who God has called them to be. And this matters because these are the same things that are important for us. These are things that we need to learn as we're trying to live a life that honors God. So I'm going to ask you to do what I haven't asked you to do in a couple weeks. I want you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. And we're going to read through 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1-7. through 7. Here we go. Therefore, having the ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that we can spend a few minutes looking at your word, God. I pray that as we walk through this passage tonight, help each one of us, God, every single one of us in this room, know what it looks like to live a life that honors you. Help us as we, as we walk through these different things, God. Help us to see if one of these is where we're stuck tonight. If one of these is our struggle. And God, help us to hand that struggle over to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. So we're going to step back and just walk through this. And we're going to see that there's some, some almost directives that Paul gives as he walks through this passage. So let's do these one at a time. Verse 1, the first thing we see here about how we can live this light, how we can live out our walk with Christ, is to be positive in a negative world. Do we live in a negative world? Yeah, yeah, we do. Listen to what this verse says again. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. He's saying, don't lose heart. In, in your walk with God, in your walk with Christ, there's going to be days where, quite honestly, you may feel like giving up. Like, you know what, it's, it's just not worth it today to have that conversation or that argument with that friend again who doesn't believe in God. It's just not worth the ridicule that I'm going to get if I speak up when somebody's saying things or doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And we start to lose heart and we start to get negative. And, and you guys have been around those negative people, haven't you? If the answer is no, you might be that negative person in your friend group. But you've been around that person who just, no matter what happens, every single thing, they criticize it. Or they put it down. Or they tell you it won't work. I'll be quite, again, honest with you, I'm that way sometimes. Miss Kathleen will tell you. Because it's real easy to fall into that. She's over like, uh-huh. It's real easy to fall in that habit. But here's what tends to happen. Once you get in that habit, it begins to snowball. And it just gets worse 
and worse and worse. And that one little thing that was negative turns into more and more and more until other people just don't want to be around you anymore. And yet what Paul is saying right here is he's saying, don't lose heart. He's saying that we have an opportunity as believers, as Christians, we've got this relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have God here with us. We've been given a purpose. He says right there, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we've been given this purpose to live a life that honors God. And Scripture tells us that when you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, there's a joy that is supposed to be within you that nothing can take away. Nobody. And all of those tiny little negative things, those things that may make you want to lose heart, Scripture tells us God's power overcomes all of that. Now, it's hard to feel that way sometimes, but Scripture also tells us that our feelings will lie to us. We've got to trust what is constant and what we know to be true, and that's God's Word. There's a, a couple verses in the Old Testament, Habakkuk. You guys probably don't do much time in Habakkuk, do you? No? Yeah, so you don't even, what book is that? It's in the Old Testament, Habakkuk chapter 3. Listen to verses 17 and 18. Listen to what's written there. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Now, most of you are not farmers or goat herders or sheep herders, so those things really don't necessarily speak to your life. But, but let's, let's put it in some terms you might understand. Though I can't find my phone charger, Though somebody put an ugly comment on my Instagram or tweeted something nasty about me. Though I don't have any gas in my car, so I can't go anywhere. Eh, that one's real right there, isn't it? Okay. Though my favorite snack is not in the pantry. Okay. Now listen. For some of us, man, that just upsets your entire world. But in the grand scheme of things, those are small things. And yet we look at stuff like that and all of a sudden we, we lose it and we get disappointed and we get down and negative becomes negative becomes negative. And yet what he's saying here about this specific passage, he's saying, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. If you sit here tonight and you say you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, Scripture tells us right there that the joy you have in your life is not dependent upon your circumstances. It's dependent upon your salvation in God. It's dependent on what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's dependent upon what God is doing through you. Your salvation is what gives you joy. It's who God is. It's not based on our circumstances. It's not based on if I can't find my cell phone charger or whether that guy or girl likes me or whether I got the good final grade on the exam or any of those things. Your joy is supposed to be based on who God is because all of those other things are temporary. God is the only constant in your life. He is the only thing that will never change. He is the only thing that you can know is a sure thing. And Scripture tells us that it's in Him we find joy. So by focusing on God, you can be positive in a negative world. Now, I do caution you, don't take it to the other extreme. Miss Kathleen and I had a high school teacher taught English. Isn't that what Coach Donor? Um, Coach Donor is a guy that always had a smile on his face. 
even when he was angry. There was one particular day in class, he and a student, the student started mouthing off to him, and, and he started getting on to this student, and I, I don't remember what was said, but that, that girl just kept going back at him, just going back at him, going back at him. And he finally kind of lost it and told her to get out of his classroom. He said it much more excitedly than I'm saying it right now. And as he did, he walked out of the room and he proceeded to slam the door. The problem is he slammed it so hard. Have you ever done that in your own house? You slam a door so hard that it pops right back open because it never actually closed. I don't recommend doing that in your own house if you've done that. But he did that and then he comes back in the classroom and he shuts the door again and he turns around and he's standing in front of the class and the smile never left his face. Now that's creepy. Because the man was mad. I mean, he was mad enough to slam a door so hard it wouldn't close. He was upset. And the smile never left his face. Don't try to take it to that extreme, okay? But you can be positive in a negative world. You can be that person that people look at when they're feeling down. You can be that person who wants other people want to be around when things aren't going quite right in their life. Because they see a joy. Because they see something in your life that they're lacking. And that's an opportunity for you to then tell them where that joy comes from. Be positive no matter what happens. The second thing you can do to live this out is to have integrity in a deceptive world. Second Corinthians 4, 2-4. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. God. Have you, um, have you ever met a person that you realized pretty quickly you couldn't trust? Yeah, don't want to hear names. But we, we've all met somebody like that. If you haven't met somebody like that, I'm willing to bet right now you will. There's going to be that one person that you, you realize as, as soon as they start talking, probably not going to believe anything that comes out of their mouth. As a disciple of Jesus, you should not be one of those people. That's, that's what Scripture says right there. As, as a Christian, Paul is saying here in verse 2, he says that, that he as a follower of Christ makes it a practice to, to be a man of integrity. He says we've renounced disgraceful underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. Now, I know nobody in here ever lies, right? Okay, I've never lied in, in the process of lying right then and there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've never lied. Sorry, I just lied. We, we've all lied, right? We, we've all, unfortunately, sometimes made a habit of lying. But when we look at what Scripture says here, it says that's not who we're supposed to be. Now, we have a tendency to lie when we don't want to get in trouble. We have a tendency to lie, well, let's be, let's be real, really, when you just don't want to get in trouble. Because you don't want your parents to find something out. And again, what tends to happen? You tell one lie, and you have to tell another, and another, and another. And now you're a liar. And yet, what Scripture says right here, we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. 
we refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. He's talking about there were people at that time who were adding to the gospel, who were adding to what Scripture said. They were saying it's Jesus and. Instead of put your faith and trust in Jesus, well, you've got to put your faith and trust in Jesus and you've got to do this sacrifice, or you've got to do this ritual, or you've got to do this custom. It's Jesus and these other things. And Paul's reminding them, no, it's, it's not. Scripture is very clear. It's, it's Jesus. Period. And he's promising these people that he's writing to this church, he's saying, we're not going to tamper with what God's Word says. We're not going to tell you something that's untrue because we've got to stick to what God's Word says. And then he goes on and he talks about the gospel being veiled because it, it seems maybe he or some of the people he was sharing the gospel with were being accused of actually changing what God's word says. And he responds to that, that it's, it's not his communication of the gospel that is causing the problems. It's the fact that there are some people who are absolutely just blind to what God's word says. And the reason that happens is because Satan is the king of lies. That's what he's talking about when he says right there, he says, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He's saying that the reason they don't understand the gospel is because Satan has kept them from understanding the gospel. Because Satan's a liar. That's what Scripture tells us in John 8, 44. It says, you are the father of the devil and your will is to do your father's desires you are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. If you sit here tonight and you say you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then that means you're saying you've received the light of who he is. And when you've done that, that means you've been changed. We talked about last week how before you know Christ, you're stumbling around in the darkness. You, you don't know sin. You don't, well, you know sin. You don't know right from wrong. You don't know that you are a sinner until light is shined in that darkness, shown in that darkness. Make sure I say the right word there. And that's what, that's what this passage is trying to tell us. It's telling us that, remember this, put it this way, your sin nature is drawn to darkness. It's drawn to lies. It's drawn to deceit. It's drawn to darkness. It's drawn to putting you in the place of God every single moment of every single day. Scripture tells us that. John 3, 19 and 20. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You're in the light of God, in the light of the gospel. And that means you have the opportunity to reflect that light to other people. To reflect that truth to other people. You and I as believers, we should be known for our integrity. We should be known as people who have integrity in a world that tells lies every single moment of every single day. Because if we follow the God that is truth, that is the only constant, and that should reflect in our lives. The next thing we see here about how we can live the light out is that we can choose to serve in a selfish world. Do we live in a selfish world? 
Oh yeah, we do. Listen to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How many of you like to be served? I was say, let's be honest, put them up. How many of you like to be served? Everybody does, right? I mean, what's that? Only cookies, yes. Only cookies and cold milk, absolutely. Um, have any of you ever watched a show called Downton Abbey? Oh, wow, I did not expect that response. Okay, okay. I'm sitting here thinking I'm going to be one of the old people in the room, but I don't feel so bad now. Okay. So, if you're not familiar with that show, uh, that show is about a family in, in England, a well-to-do family, and they have a whole bunch of servants running around the house. And you get to know the family, and you get to know the lives of the servants. But the servants, their existence is for one purpose, and that is to serve that family. I mean, they, they clean their clothes, they, they, they polish their shoes, they polish the, the silver, they do, I don't even remember everything, they drive the car, they do everything. They help get rid of dead bodies, they do all kinds of stuff, okay? It's a weird show, but it's, it's good. All right. But here's the thing, living a life with someone else serving you, that's something every one of us could get used to real quick, because it's easy to let other people serve you. Now, living a life in service to others, that's much more difficult. If you don't believe me, ask your mom sometime, because she serves you every single day. But that's exactly what Christ, that's exactly what God has called us in life. He tells us that we're supposed to have that servant attitude. He's saying that the message of the gospel here, it's not to exalt or elevate himself. What Paul is saying is, hey, I'm not sharing the gospel with you so that you can look at me and say, dude, you're awesome. He's saying, I'm sharing it with you because I've been called to be a servant. And you as disciples, you as believers, you've been called the exact same thing. You've been called to be servants. Unfortunately, there are people in this world that will use the platform of Jesus for selfish gain. They'll use it to pad their bank accounts. They'll use it for popularity. They'll use it for status. But what Paul is telling us is that's not what we're supposed to do as disciples of Jesus. We're supposed to live a life that is serving other people. He points to Christ and the fact that he came as a servant to humanity himself. That's exactly what Jesus did. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You and I live in a time in a world where every voice will tell you, live for yourself. You are priority number one. You matter more than anybody else. You need to take care of you and don't worry about everybody else. And that is the exact opposite of what we see right here. As a follower of Christ, we're told that we're supposed to have a servant's heart. That means making sacrifices for the people around you. 
In some cases, those may be really big sacrifices. But a lot of time it comes down to making tiny sacrifices for the people around you every single day to serve them, to show them the love of Christ, to show them the gospel. Simple little things that reflect the fact that you're willing to serve others in whatever way possible. And that service comes as a reflection of who Jesus is in your life. And that brings us to the last way that we can live it out. We can live out this relationship we have with Jesus. And that way is this. Be authentic in a phony world. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Now, this is where I believe church people struggle when it comes to being authentic in a phony world. Because a lot of times when we come to church, we tend to have the mindset of we need to make sure everybody there knows that we've got our life together, right? You'll be on your way here with your parents, and they are yelling at you from the front seat, and you are yelling back from the back seat. And you may have that mom or dad, this one hand on the wheel, and the other one's trying to swatch you at the same time. Maybe it's been a few years, but that's probably happened. And as soon as that car door opens and you all walk into the building of the church, it's all smiles and grins. And what was just happening three minutes ago in the parking lot, it's like it never happened. Ever. Because we think everybody needs to know that we've got our lives together. We have to act a certain way. We have to dress a certain way. We have to put on this, this stereotype image of what a good Christian looks like. And, and yet when we do that, churches have gained a reputation of being full of hypocrites because we act like everything's fine when everything's not fine. Now that doesn't mean you come to church and you start telling everybody, do you know what my mom tried to do to me in the car on the way here? You don't have to do that either. But, you don't air every dirty, dark secret, but you can learn to be authentic. You can learn to be genuine when it comes to telling people who God is. Paul reminds us that that's the life that we've been called to here. And then he goes on here, he talks about this, this treasure that he talked about in verse 6. As followers of Christ, he says, we are jars of clay. We are vessels. So that the power that is reflected in our lives can be seen that it's God's power and not our power. Have you ever held a jar or a clay pot in your hand before? How easy is it to break those? It's ridiculously easy. Ask Miss Kathleen, I've broken a lot of them in our house. It's so easy to break. And that's the point Paul's making. He's saying, if you're a believer, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then God, the Holy Spirit, dwells within you. And you're a pot of clay. You are fragile. You are weak. You are easily broken and destroyed. So that when people see strength and power in you, they can understand that it's not yours. It's not mine. It belongs to God. We're not perfect. We're weak. And it's in our weakness that the glory of God starts to show. None of us are perfect. In fact, I, I would be willing to, to bet in here every single one of us has struggled at some point and questioned God. 
whether it's been your circumstances or whether it's been, is this God thing really real? But you've had some kind of question. And let me tell you right now, because I heard somebody, they made this statement to me one time. They started to ask me a question, and the statement started with, I know it's wrong to question God. It's not wrong to question God. People question God all through Scripture. Scripture tells us when you ask questions, when you seek truth, you'll find it. There's nothing wrong with questioning God. Where we get into trouble is when we begin to doubt God. That's where the problems arise. But what he's saying here, he's saying that you can trust God and you can understand that even in your imperfections, it's okay to be real with that. It's okay for other people to see that you don't have it all together every single day. Not so that they can say, oh, poor baby, I know it's okay. But so they can look at you and see the power of God shining through in your life. That even when you don't have it all together, when I don't have it all together, we still have a purpose. And we still have a calling. And we still have that joy that is talked about here. That God is working in and through us despite our weakness. That is when God can be glorified most, when we let Him shine through our weakness. Living this life, this pursuit of Jesus, this daily choice to go after Him, it's hard. It's hard. And yet it's exactly the life that God calls us to when we put our faith and trust in Him. Because I can promise you this, it's way harder to live a life apart from Him than it is to live with Him. And you have the opportunity, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, to let that light shine in your life every single day. So here's the question I have for you. Of those things that we walk through tonight, where are you struggling to live it out? Are, do those around you see your joy that you have from God through Christ? Or do they know you as somebody that's always negative? Somebody that's always complaining? Are you known as a person of integrity or do people question what you say every time your mouth starts moving? Are you willing to serve in whatever is needed? Or are you one of those individuals that as soon as somebody says the words, I need help, you look for the closest exit? And lastly, do people know the real you? Do people know that you do struggle? Do people know your victories? Do people know that God is working in and through your imperfections? Or do they just see the mask that you put on when you go out in public? If you're here tonight and you're stuck at one of those, I would love for the opportunity just to pray for you. If you want to, pray with you. You can take one of those orange or yellow cards, write down what you need somebody to pray for you about, and drop it in this basket. I would even challenge you, before you drop it in that basket, go to one of these other adults that you have a relationship with and let them pray for you. Let them pray with you. That God will work in your life so that you can push past that point of struggle in that area and be able to live out a life that honors God in every area that he's called you to. Guys, when God saves you, God saves you for a purpose. And that purpose is to honor him in every area of 
your life. Don't miss out on that. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you that we can come together, God, that we can worship you, that we can focus on you. God, I, I thank you for every single person in this room. And God, I pray right now for every single one of us, God, because I know at some point in time, I know, God, we all struggle with at least one of those areas, if not more. And God, you've called us to live a life that honors you. You've called us to live a life of, of transparency so that people can see your power working in and through us. Help us to do that, God. Help us to hand over those areas that, that we've not handed over to you yet. Help us to give, us, give you all of our lives. And, and if you're here tonight and, and you've never you've never received the light that Scripture tells us Jesus Christ is, you've never put your faith and trust in Him, you've never understood that you're stumbling around in the darkness because of sin, anything you do that dishonors God is sin, and we all do it. Scripture tells us when we come to that point that we understand we're sinners and we want to be forgiven and put our faith and trust in Christ. Scripture tells us that we simply admit that we are sinners. Ask God to forgive us through Jesus Christ. And in that moment, we're forgiven and we belong to Him forever. If you've never done that tonight and you're ready to quit stumbling around in the darkness, walk in the light of Jesus Christ, would love to talk to you about that. One of the other adults in this room would love to talk to you about that. Please, as soon as we start singing, step out and come see one of us and let us show you what that looks like. To know and to feel the love and the mercy and the grace of God every moment of every day. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.